0: but I think that this film really tries to tell us that the important events... Oh my God, my dog, hold on. You little shithead, get over here. What, you're barking at nothing. You, You know, you gotta go away. You gotta go away, I gotta cage you. I thought you could be good. Sorry, my dog barks at nothing. She wanted to share her thesis statement.
1: and welcome back to there will be spoilers episode 25 i'm matt Bazell.
0: and i'm forrest forrest gump
1: i like to call you ethan for some reason ethan ethan knight we have reached a quarter of the way through afi's top 100 list which is our intent on this podcast our canonical list that is i think it's pretty clear we watched 1994's forrest gump in any case it's a film i'm sure we've both seen before Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. You
0: never know with you, Matt.
1: (laughs) I've definitely seen this more than a few times, but it's always good to have a little plot synopsis as a reminder.
0: Forrest Gump is the life story of Forrest Gump, a man who's not terribly bright but very earnest. His story is told in a series of flashbacks as he tells it to listeners at a bus stop in Savannah, Georgia. Forrest, born in Alabama, becomes childhood friends with the troubled Jenny, Jenny, whose home life is abusive. Forrest realizes at a young age that he has a penchant for running, and because of this, he gets a football scholarship from the University of Alabama. He bumbles his way through several important historical events, including the integration of the university, as well as meeting Presidents Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. After college, he enlists in the Army, going to Vietnam, where he meets Bubba, a shrimp fisherman, and Lieutenant Dan, who plans to die. Die on the battlefield like his forefathers. During an attack, Forrest's unit is decimated and he saves many of his men. Well I guess they're not his men, I guess they're his his company men. Is that what you would say, Matt? You'd probably just say comrades, I guess. Yeah comrades, okay from certain death, including Lieutenant Dan, much to his chagrin. Bubba is killed, and Forrest is shot in the butt, which keeps him from combat duty. Lieutenant Dan loses his legs and spirals into a deep depression. Forrest becomes a ping-pong pro for the army, playing against China, and when he's discharged, he fulfills Bubba's dream of owning a shrimping boat. Lieutenant Dan joins him, and they become the only shrimp boat to survive Hurricane Carmen, leading to their great success. Lieutenant Dan invests their earnings in Apple computers, and the two become very wealthy. Throughout his life, Forrest continually runs into Jenny, whose life continues to be troubled. After his success in shrimping, she comes to stay with him and denies his proposal of marriage. However, she sleeps with him, leaves to try to rebuild her life. Forrest decides to run across the country several times and gains a following and fame. He one day stops running and shortly afterwards hears from Jenny. The story then brings us to the start of the film, where Forrest is in Savannah, Georgia, to meet Jenny. She reveals that she has a child, fathered by Forrest, who's very smart. Jenny also reveals that she's sick with an incurable virus. The two get married and return to Alabama, although Jenny dies shortly afterward. The film ends with Forrest waiting for his son to return from his first day of school. So this incurable virus that Jenny has, it's AIDS, right? Well, I was just reading, actually, because I've, I've looked into that before, and people posit that it's either AIDS or hepatitis C, I think, and actually, mm-hmm. the more I think about it, the more inclined I am to say that it's hep C, Then this is just my reading, dear, dear listener, because if she had AIDS, wouldn't she have given it to Forrest Jr.?
1: Or also Forrest himself, there's a possibility of both these things, and that's why I was like, wait, what incurable virus is there going to be in the, I guess it's mid-80s by this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, and so I think the implication is that it's probably AIDS, because this is, of course, an adaptation of a novel from the what, it's like 87 or something? And this is something, I mean, I, you know, I think for what it's worth, it, it ends up functioning basically as a plot device to to take Jenny away from us. But I, I think you could argue that it's that it's probably Hep C or, or AIDS. I guess the only reason I thought it was AIDS is
1: because everything that happens in this film has to be representative of American culture at whatever yeah. time. So I figured if it were AIDS, that would make a lot of sense for... America in the mid-80s.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I think you're right. You know, again, it functions as, like you said, it's 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 symbolic of American history and what's happening. AIDS doesn't really work like that in the real world, but then again, a lot of things that happen in this movie don't really work like they do in the real world. What? Wait, hold on.
1: This is not nonfiction?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Forrest Gump is
1: not necessarily tied to reality in the same way that other films are. It approximates reality, but you never think that the events that happen to Forrest are in any way completely mapped to the world that we know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of things that got left out of this synopsis. Because if you really want to, you know, do a detailed, detailed synopsis of this film that, that chronicles or or categorizes or lists all of the historical events he, he runs through and into, it would be considerably longer. So I tried to hit just the just the basic plot because, I mean, when he meets these presidents, right, we have these, you know, Forrest Gump is, is CGI'd into historical events. You've got presidents CGI'd into talking to him.
1: Well, don't forget that Forrest is actually the one that uncovers Watergate.
0: He unco- yeah, he uncovers, he, he uncovers Watergate because Nixon puts him up in a better hotel and he looks out his window and he sees the people with the flashlights and he's like, the flashlights are keeping me up. And, you know, uh, in the same way that like he, one of the girls that walks into the University of Alabama while it's being integrated, drops her notebook and he picks it up and gives it like all the, you know, and supposedly he's the inspiration for Elvis his dance moves. His dance moves right because of Forrest's leg braces cuz he can't quite dance right. So uh, yeah, I mean it's taken some he serious He was supposed liberties. to
1: save Martin Luther King Jr. and some of his followers from attack dogs at one point, but they cut that out of the film. Oh wow.
0: Yeah, and I mean he runs into Black Panthers. Actually,
1: the Black Panther scene is actually probably the I think the least well-handled
0: yeah, I, yeah, but I do love that line when right after he he's a, right before he's about to leave the the meeting of the Black Panthers and he's like, "I'm sorry I fought at your Black Panther party" cuz he thinks it's a party, for right. not not a yeah. <laughs> So, so all of that to say, you know, her disease doesn't necessarily follow the, if it's, if it's supposed to be AIDS, which it probably is at the very least in some way referencing is, you know, it doesn't follow the same rules of everything else. Just in the way that Forrest Gump didn't really uncover Watergate. (laughs) Well, just in
1: the way that Forrest's mom is suddenly taken by cancer in a way that seems far removed from the actual horrific ways in which people are claimed by cancer.
0: Yeah. She's, she's just kind of there and like, hey, Forrest, I'm going to die. And, the, and so much of this film is about showing us these little motifs over and over and over. So, for example, like you're pointing out, the death of Forrest's mother. That scene is, is practically mimicked in which, you know, Forrest walks into his mother's bedroom and she's in the bed and, and tells him she's going to die just as we go in at the very end. And he walks in and Jenny's in his mom's bed. And it's I yeah, mean, the it's,
1: exact same room.
0: Yeah, in the same way that when we see Forrest, you know, when we get that great line run, Forrest, run. When the little kids, the little kids are throwing rocks at him and Jenny tells him to run and he runs his his braces off, that scene is almost immediately reshot you know it's set it's however many years later and it's the same kids they're in a truck now and Forrest is older and jenny says the same line and he you know this film is all about these little they're almost like i guess you can almost think of them as diptychs right that they Mm -hmm. they you know they unfold and they're the same thing so it it, it does a it's a really interesting way of storytelling and i think it's a really effective way if maybe a little hackneyed now and maybe because i've seen this film about a hundred trillion million times
1: yeah, so why don't we talk about this? These things are done for reasons, so one might think that they are thematic in nature. So Ethan, do you have any themes for us to dive into?
0: Well, I've got a couple and and I think maybe most related to what we're talking about, I think we could think about how the film treats destiny because I think that may have something to do with these repeated or repeating scenes. It's all this repetition, right? Because they and they talk a lot about like destiny is, you know, are you destined to what you've started with, or are you destined for greatness, or do you control your own destiny? I mean, this is lieutenant Dan's big thing. just all of his all the men in his family have fought in every American war, and they all die on the battlefield, and he's very upset that Forrest doesn't leave him to die because that's you know, it's his destiny to die in the battlefield. and so he's angry about it and and I mean, the film opens with Forrest's. Really well-known line about life is like a box of chocolates, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Which is his
1: mother's brand of destiny.
0: Right, his mother's brand, right? And Jenny is constantly, you know, trying to buck her, what she perceives as, you know, her destiny, but she gets pulled back into these cycles as people who, you know, are abused as children do.
1: I think that's a slightly different theme, but it does commingle with Destiny yeah. in an interesting way. I think this is the theme of trauma that is very closely related to Lieutenant Dan's destiny and Certainly. Jenny's destiny.
0: Yeah, I mean I think yeah, that's that's really important. And and perhaps how how Forrest deals with traumatic events. I mean he's in Vietnam for fuck's sake, you know, he, he sees all of these things that in terms of history seem very you know, the integration is traumatic all of these things and he sort of lets things roll off of his shoulders and just keeps on pardon the i guess it's not really a pun but like but he just keeps running right he just keeps moving Mm -hmm. through life although he's also strangely stagnant not stagnant but um stationary as well it's all about sort of things that move forward but things that also stay very much the same and i think that yeah i think it's totally about like destiny and trauma those are totally it's all mashed in together in the which would
1: kind of explain these repeated cycles or these cycles that repeat but then kind of flourish in different ways
0: yeah just just like how we you know the film begins with Forrest's first day of school and ends with his son's first day of school
1: who's also named Forrest so a repeated pattern but slightly different Forrest yeah sooner. yeah so I
0: actually I guess i go ahead and give my thesis because
1: mine is about destiny right and I think this is the conclusion that Forrest gets to when he's speaking to Jenny in her grave right when she's Mm-hmm. Past and he's talking to her the same way he talks to his mother at her grave. Another little repeated cycle or pattern. Or Baba, to too.
0: He goes to Baba and, and talks exactly. to, to him. Exactly.
1: Yeah, as well. all about talking at the dead, which is an interesting thing to think about. But so maybe destiny is sort of this tendency toward certain outcomes that we are all random floating objects that kind of careen toward and bounce off one another. Like the we feather at the beginning. Like the feather, exactly. <laughs> We still experience strong pulls, for lack of a better term, right? So to mm-hmm. exemplify this in the film, Forrest lives a life well beyond comparison, right? Yeah. While Jenny lives a very different, traumatic, kind of wretched one in a lot of ways, and yet each is sort of inextricably drawn toward one another. They see each other at these big pivotal moments at the, mm-hmm. you know, Washington Monument at the the Vietnam War protests. And then, of course, they get back together. And it just seems like there there might be a destiny in toward your tendencies or your movements toward one another. And I think movement's very important here in terms of cycle and time and the fact that Forrest is a runner, like you mentioned. But they're so very different paths. And so such different and conflicting paths often still have ultimately led together. And so I thought maybe Forrest is right that you don't know what you're going to get, but there is some sort of pull or Destiny, like Lieutenant Dan, wants to think that there's a, a pull for him to die on the battlefield, like all his forefathers before him. So that doesn't mean that there's a lack of free will. Right. That means that there is there's a choice there, or there is there is uncertainty. There's yeah. certainly probability. Maybe the probability is stacked a certain way, but it seems like there is still the ability to maneuver around that.
0: Yeah, and, and people, you know, in this film in a lot of ways, except for maybe Forrest, because I think for Well, I'll get to it. But, you know, Lieutenant Dan makes peace with what's happened to him. I think Jenny makes peace with what's happened to her. Forrest's mom is all about making peace with what shitty stuff happens to you. And Forrest is maybe the embodiment of that he's just kind of like well you that's just what it is whereas jenny is very like she wants to get out she wants to fly away she wants to you know change what's happening she wants god to make her into a bird and fly away yeah which i think is really well done and we see that repeated again
1: and then there's that moment where she tries to commit suicide by mm-hmm. jumping off the balcony of the hotel room while Freebird plays, which is kind of an inspired choice of music there.
0: Yeah. And we, well, we've also seen her, you know, there's that earlier scene where she's... On the bridge. Yeah. On the bridge where she's...
1: At the burlesque. Yeah.
0: Yeah. After the burlesque. And she's like, do you think I could fly if I jumped off this bridge? And Forrest is mm-hmm. like, uh, Jenny, because I, I mean, and and that maybe is, this maybe leads us into a couple of other things. And this will lead into my thesis. But I think there's this there's this clash of love and intelligence, or maybe not necessarily a clash throughout, but but love and intelligence become very intertwined because of, you know Forrest is has a low IQ. You know, at the start of the film, we find out that he's his IQ is low enough that he can't be in regular Alabama schools. It's just below the thing. It's like ju- you know just enough, and so. He's not very smart, right? And there's there's a scene with Jenny where she he tells her he loves her and she says, you don't know what love is. And then that scene is called back later on where when Jenny's living with him, you know, she says, he says, I love you. Well, he says, will you marry me? And she says, you don't want to marry me. And he says, I know yeah. what love is. He, no, he says, I'm I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is, which I think in a lot of ways. So I kind of have a, I have, a, I have two thesis statements and that's sort of one of them, right? Is that you don't necessarily need to be smart to know what love is or to be a human being, right? To be someone Mm -hmm. who matters. I think that's really important for this film.
1: It's accessible for everyone that love is intrinsic to human nature and doesn't require the great, right? The quote unquote great or the elect or the chosen to experience passionate love in the way that someone who is typically outside the bounds of normality in a lot of ways for Forrest that's true right because he is very low IQ but at the same time lives an extraordinary life
0: exactly yeah it's, it's that's what I'm trying to get at yeah it's that sort of weird dichotomy where Forrest isn't smart but gets to do things that smart people could only ever want and maybe Forrest isn't as dumb as, as everyone makes him out to be right
1: well, this this I think is is very much owed to Shakespearean fools, right? Yeah, he is. He is the he is the fool And I think it's very early on when he finally runs out of his braces and he's running by a barber shop And the man says that's a running fool. And I thought yeah, hmm. He is right, but he gets places, right? He yeah. has wisdom beyond what we would call the normal person capable of that's yeah. why he he coins the shit happens thing yeah. and then he also makes the smiley face. He's a master ping pong player. He wins the right. medal of honor. You know, it's all of these things that he does are because he lives without pretension.
0: Yes. And and I think that that really builds into maybe my more complicated thesis. This film I think says in a lot of ways that the important events Of history, though we sort of think of them as definitive in the end. I mean, that's what you get taught, right? These big, important events. Mm -hmm. You know, integration, presidents getting shot, Watergate, the Vietnam War, protests. All these things are, in Forrest's life, are not much more than just sort of background color. The real events of his life, the real history of Forrest, because this is sort of his personal history. I mean, this is his life story. It's not based in these big players. It's very sort of death of a salesman- you know e in that you know death of a salesman is a tragedy about real human beings not kings and forrest is kind of like that his real history is much smaller and it's day to day and it's about people that you know history isn't going to remember history's not going to remember jenny in you know the in the forrest gump universe history's not going to remember lieutenant dan really history's not going to remember forrest's mom those interactions are what count for forrest gump right so you know, it's in that way it's wrapped up into this high and low. You know, maybe love versus intelligence. You know, d- destiny versus free will. Pop culture versus history. All of these like high and low things. You know, smart people versus not so smart people. What's what's the stuff that really matters in people's real lives is is not things like Watergate or or Vietnam War as a, as a conflict, rather the the soldiers, right? That's the soldiers' experiences and the people like you know Bubba dying. Instead of I don't know the fall of Saigon, right? That's we don't see the fall of Saigon. We see Bubba die, and and I think that is much more effective for for audiences. It's it's this you know these small small losses and small gains and whatever. And Forrest Gump is just kind of f- moving through this in in a lot of ways.
1: Right, and this reminds me of the idea that you know history is not made by these individuals right yeah. we tend to delude ourselves into thinking that you know these is these great leaders these great people that singularly move history but what we actually see is the weight of history falls on the shoulders of people like Forrest. Mm-hmm. Forrest is the everyman in maybe not the most generous sense because he's defined as like a savant in a lot of these situations not very intelligent but very good at something like ping pong or very, very fast. And mm-hmm. so it's not a glowing representation of the common person, but at the same time it says this, these are the people you know the if we pluralize forest that motivate history. people that just do things based on their convictions, based on what they're taught, and don't have these great minds so to speak, to yeah. you know cover history book pages.
0: Yeah, and Forrest is an everyman. I mean, in a lot of ways, and and perhaps even the the he's he's less than an everyman because he's lower than the you know the average or whatever in terms of intelligence. So he's accessible in a way that all these other big figures just simply aren't.
1: I, I want to cl- go back, circle around, and clean up trauma a little bit more because I think we touched on it lightly, but I want to say more about it. So Ginny, it's very clear, although it's never explicitly stated, it's very clear that she was molested by her father, yeah, her abused, and her sisters. Yeah. And she had sisters that we never see them anywhere right they said mm-hmm. her and her sisters were always being kissed and touched by her her dad right now that's what motivates her desire to escape and one thing we know about trauma is, especially with something like molestation or rape is that there's this speaking of cycles and circles there's kind of this entrapment thing where she's going to be kind of fleeing at all times so force runs towards she runs away
0: yeah she is always running away
1: But she's also trying to find value in in these other men that she's around right Mm -hmm. which is this tragic thing that we all know very well in terms of of trauma with these cases but that never really gets solved until she is able to finally you know accept force for the man that she needs to be looking for in the sense that he is not her father, he does care about her, and she does love him in her own way, although it's, you know, certainly not a conventional or traditional love, we can can say. But this is a very different experience than what Lieutenant Dan has. Lieutenant Dan has that intense survivor's guilt about surviving Vietnam when he thought he should have died, both because of his personal familial destiny, but also the fact that he was the the leader of these men. Right. Right. And they they set up this long scene about him saying like okay everyone sit down and shut up, and when he thought there was danger around, and then for mm-hmm. them to just get straight up ambushed like this, and, and and obliterated effectively, he he feels that's his responsibility.
0: Yeah, and despite all of his hard work, I mean he does care about these people, and I mean we we get to see that in the scene where Bubba and Forrest show up, and like Lieutenant Dan, despite the fact that he's brash and crass. And, and what have you, I mean, really does. You're right. He cares about the people he's leading, and it ruins him, right, to to see them destroyed in something that he has no control over. Right. He's sort of the prototypical
1: junior officer in that he's a lieutenant, so he is leading men, but he's not a colonel, right? He's not divorced from leadership, but he's also right. not among the men. He's not a non-commissioned officer. He's not a sergeant or something like that. Yeah. But his arc's a little bit different because – Once they go into business together, right, when Lieutenant Dan finally makes a turn that he does want to live, he does want to get better, and he goes to sea forest and and shrimp with him, when he jumps into the water, you know, that's his his metaphorical rebirth, right, Mm -hmm. entering the water, being reborn again, and then next time we see him, you know, he has a fiancé who, it should be noted, is Asian, right, that is also sort of tropic in terms of Vietnam veterans for whatever reason, there's like the stereotype of them marrying uh, Vietnamese or Asian wives. But it is a part of thematically speaking, reconciliation, right? The yeah. idea that there's a joining of two different cultures.
0: Yeah. And I think what's what maybe that points out too that I wanted to talk about was that this film, in a lot of ways, is, is full of tropes and sort of hackneyed things. Because I the the and what led me to this right is that in this viewing I had never really thought about Lieutenant Dan and his wife that just had never occurred to me in my previous viewings but now that I've done a lot more you know reading a little bit more Vietnam stuff and things like that and and doing this podcast right I saw that and I was like oh God I I almost rolled my eyes but I think that this film does this throughout I mean like things with the smiley face where you know Forrest wipes his face which is very biblical. He wipes his face and his face comes back and it's that everybody's smiley face. Right. You know, but, it's the but,
1: every man smiley face. Reinforcing yeah, our earlier point, you know.
0: Exactly. And there's all of this, you know, where he gives Elvis his moves and stuff like that. And though these things are, if we really want to delve deep into them, are, are perhaps problematic, the film handles it so well in such a way that, like, I mean, you. Sp- at least I spend a lot of this film, you know, very sort of emotionally invested. Cho- when bad things happen, I'm choked up you know, you're really rooting for these people. So even though this film is full of tropes and, you know, things that would otherwise be cliché, I think it's the it's the sort of pastiche of all of these clichés and the melding of all these things, plus a fairly compelling everyman-style story and really good characterization, really good acting. I don't know that there's a bad actor in the whole damn film, or a bad performance, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does this. It, it adheres to these tropes, clichés with a self awareness so that yeah. it does stuff overtly that's kind of anyone can map and track. But it does stuff sort of subvertly, that is also interesting. So the final point about Lieutenant Dan is he gets new legs, right? And we mm-hmm. know movement's incredibly important, which means he has the ability to run toward now, right? He right. can move again. He is not stuck in a cycle. He's like Forrest. He has the ability to motivate himself. And this just goes to show that the common man that is just tensioned know know what they want he's Forrest is never necessarily saying like well I want to do this I want to do that he just kind of goes with it right and moves mm-hmm. toward things and and achieve so I think what I'll do now is move us to our pivotal scene yeah why because don't this film I think really gets interesting after the first hour yeah I think the first hour sets up a lot of stuff for us but that's kind of where I'm maybe not as interested as I am until the second part of the film, and so mm-hmm. I think one really powerful scene, which I think kind of cements it in the place that it is on the list and in people's consciousness culturally speaking, is when Forrest learns that he's a father, mm-hmm. because there's two very good performances there, and in addition, it kind of it really it brings you as close to Forrest as you ever can get, right? So I want to play this scene a little bit longer, about three minutes, but then we'll come back and talk about it. Hey, Forrest, how are you doing? Hey. Come in, come in. I got your ladder. Oh, I was wondering about that. Is this your house? Yeah, it's messy right now. I just got off work. It's nice. You got air conditioning. Uh, Thank you. I some. Um... Hey, I kept, I kept scrapbook of your of your clippings and everything. There you are. This I got you running. I ran a long way. For a long time.
0: There. Listen, Forrest, I don't know how to say this. Um,
1: I just, I want to apologize for anything that I ever did to you, because I was messed up for a long time, and... Yoo-hoo! Hey! Hi! Hi Hey, you! This is my old friend from Alabama. How'd you do? Uh, listen, next
0: week my schedule changes, so I'll be able to, but thanks. No problem. Gotta go, Jen. I'm double packed. OK. Bye. Thanks. This is
1: my very good friend, Mr. Gump. Can you say hi to him? Hello, Mr. Gump. Hello. Oh,
0: can I go watch TV now? Yes, you can. Just keep it low.
1: You're a mama, Jenny.
0: I'm a mama.
1: His name's Forrest. Like me? I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too?
0: You're his daddy, Forrest. Hey.
1: Forrest, look at me. Look at me, Forrest. There's nothing you need to do, okay? You didn't do anything wrong. Okay?
0: Isn't he beautiful?
1: He's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. is, is he smart. He's very smart. He's one of the smartest in his class.
0: Yeah, it's okay. go talk to him.
1: Okay, so I'll be the first to admit that I cried during this scene.
0: Oh yeah, no, this is this is one of the most affecting scenes or effective scene. I mean, I don't it just it both hits right, him, effective yeah. and
1: affecting because he asks, "Well, I'm his father, right? So, is he smart? That's the yeah. person he cares about, right? He wants to know that his son is going to be, you know, better than him. He wants what's best for this child, who he just knows, right? Most yeah. beautiful thing I've ever seen. So, there's instantly that connection." And I think that's very powerful for a viewer, right? That you, yeah. that you see Forrest is ultimately pure.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, for what it's worth, I know we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about necessarily performances or cinematography, but it's just so beautifully shot. And Tom Hanks' performance in in this scene is just perfect. Like one hundred percent perfect. You couldn't you couldn't do that scene better. I mean, it's ah, uh, it's 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 good.
1: <laughs> I, I was curious about Tom Hanks in his previous roles before Forrest Gump because I'm not really. I know I've seen a lot of his films. But I wasn't, like, ultimately sure of the timeline of of them. And so Forrest Gump really kind of marks him in, like, the more serious roles. Mm -hmm. Before this, they were all comedies or romantic comedies, it looks like. I'm sure he's got a few roles in there here or there. But as, like, starring character, serious role, Forrest Gump is kind of, like, the landmark one for him.
0: Right. And this is, like, because I think he was, was he in Sleepless in Seattle before this? I think so, Yeah. Because there's that, and there's Big, I know that he was in. Big
1: was in before this, yeah. And then also Splash. Who can Splash. forget
0: 1984, Splash. Ah, oh, with Daryl Hannah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think you're right. And and this film is just such a... I don't know. I think in terms of all the things we've watched for this podcast, this film is one that... I mean, and maybe this is just because I really like it, and I think it's really well done. But this film really... Des- deserves its place and this is a film that like if you haven't seen Forrest Gump then you need to go fucking see it.
1: Yeah well Ethan why don't we talk about this in our three questions because these are all things that need to be considered for someone to be motivated to see this film right? Yeah yeah. So I guess let's ask the first question and do we care about this film? I think you're you know picking up back mid-sentence I think you're saying something along the lines of yes.
0: Yes I mean yes you we care about this film. It. For a lot of reasons, and the the most obvious reason is that become is, is that it, is that it has become so ingrained in. Our culture, probably because it's a story about American culture in a lot of ways. Who doesn't know life is like a box of chocolates? Stupid is as stupid does. You know, the just the Bubba Gump shrimp because you can go to those restaurants now.
1: Got one in Galveston. Seen it many times.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, which is kind of kitschy and whatever. But sure, but it's all those good feelings about Forrest Gump itself, right? Exactly, and so like this is this is a film that is so ingrained in in our pop culture now that yeah we care about this film plus it hits all these you know it like it's that it's that history thing that we were that we were talking about it plays a lot with pop culture and history it's enmeshed in it you know it's an easy way to get a little bit of basic american history <laughs> sure it also holds up like the
1: most glowing mirror to american culture right you yeah don't really it does. see all of the bad things even vietnam is portrayed as camaraderie and fellowship and trying to get through a bad situation it right. never was about kind of the horrors of it we get a little bit of that during the protests when they get back to dc but i mean jenny's current boyfriend at the time says who's the baby killer but that's like as far as it goes really
0: yeah it does and you know we see we see nixon who you know is a bad dude portrayed in not i mean it's it's he's not the I don't know. They could have been much harsher. To, you're right. They could have been much harsher to American culture. It does hold up a glowing mirror, even at our sort of besmirches. And and I mean, just think about Forrest's name. He's named after the founder of the KKK. Right. And, and his mom says, you know, I named, or the, he re- relates what his mom says, but it's something like the, he's named that to remind ourselves that people do things that don't make any sense.
1: I also want to point out that even in terms of, Forrest's own heroics. He wins the Medal of Honor, which as I guess statistically speaking, uh, you usually aren't alive when you're when you're given that because mm-hmm. most of them die during those heroics. So, this is a very rosy tinted version of yes. the person who he actually does stand in for in the CGI where, where he's actually getting the Medal of Honor mm-hmm. and Samuel Davis who received the Medal of Honor for in Vietnam. He was in the exact same company as Forrest, right? 9th Infantry 4th Company. And the way he won it is he saved a bunch of people just like Forrest did, except for he was actively fighting, broke his back at one point Jesus. during the fight, was firing a howitzer that was on fire because oh it got, got mortar, And so just the kind of ways in which the actual person received it is just far more horrific and gory than the way Forrest got it. And so even that is kind of cleaned up a bit, so to speak.
0: Yes. Now, before we switch out of this question, though, I mean, I think we have to think a little bit about the flip side of this. In terms of, do we care about this? This is a narrative that is very, very white, and 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 you can and you can flip this on the other end, right? It gives us a rosy tinted view of history. It also makes integration a ten minute shtick, and so there is a flip side to like presenting these things that are traumatic and terrible. Sure. I mean, Forrest
1: is the, the, as the white male liberates Bubba's mother with money, right? He is the one that sets her free and allows her to have a white servant. But at the same time, it's like, so like, what is it saying that white people have to give black people things, right? As opposed to them through their own efforts, deserving the value of society on their own, right? So it's kind of a problematic picture there as well.
0: Yeah, so I think that there's certainly an argument about how problematic this movie is and how it it whitewashes things or or makes things that were bad that maybe we should focus on in terms of trauma as oh it wasn't that bad but maybe this is and and it, you know dear listeners if you haven't forgotten Matt and I are both white straight men so like it it makes sense that you know this movie really is. appeals to us because that's who it's appealing to this, you know, I mean, it's appealing to everybody, but it, there's a built in audience there. And so I don't want to necessarily leave this episode without saying there is a darker flip side to some of this stuff.
1: Absolutely. I think you are well justified in bringing that up and reminding people of that because there's also the darkness of this saying like this film is for white people, right? Because American history, American culture, that's white, isn't it? And it's like, well, no. <laughs> you, right, right, you've right, mistaken right. something here. But it does show that everyone in powerful positions in this film and dynamic positions, from Lieutenant Dan to Jenny to Forrest to his mother, are white. Yeah. So I think let's move on to our next question. Just to Less. kind of... I mean, there's, we could talk forever about these things, but I think it's best if we allow people <laughs> yeah. to do some of their own thinking, right? Perhaps. Right. So what do we owe to this film?
0: Well, we all, you know, basic American history and basic, you know, American pop culture because it doesn't function with, I mean, I guess it does function without it, but the narrative is a lot more empty without it. I mean, because if you, I mean, you just think about the synopsis I wrote. I mean, if, if we strip all the, all the history out of it, it's a story about, you know, a uh, not terribly bright guy from Alabama who gets a football scholarship, goes to vietnam in the end gets his girl makes some friends along the way and that's the story and it's it's given so much more life and vigor and depth because of all of the cultural stuff that happens and and that's sort of a big focus of the film so we owe it a lot of that
1: well that's what the film owes to or
0: yeah or yeah, yeah yeah sorry 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 that's what the film owes
1: so, what we owe to this film, I think, is a very powerful lens by which people view history. I think our generation, yeah. especially, people who weren't around for Watergate, for Vietnam, for any of these things, right? Um, some, of, A lot of these major political and social movements, we weren't around for them. And seeing Forrest Gump is the lens by which we view those things, right? Yeah. So, as, as bad as that is in some ways, but... As a as a sort of introductory thing, I think the first time I saw Forrest Gump, I was probably t- ten or twelve.
0: Yeah, I was young too.
1: So that was the entrance point. That was the jumping off, and I can say, after doing a whole heck of a lot of Vietnam War reading and study and research, it doesn't do a bad job at representing some of these things. And so, for good and for ill, this was people's access point of our generation a lot of the time for this stuff.
0: And maybe for me to actually answer the question instead of turn it into the, the reverse of what I of what that question actually is, because I can't get anything straight in my life. You know, we this film, lots of films owe this, you know, the the sort of special effects where you're inserting people into history. That was a huge deal in 94 to put Forrest Gump in these scenes with Nixon and Kennedy and Johnson and you know the the integration scene and all that sort of stuff so that i think is something that this this film was one of the first films to really do that on a large scale and and fairly convincingly which maybe leads us into our last question
1: it sure does and that question is does this film
0: hold up and my answer is for the most part yes I mean, I think it still is... I mean, this is a film that... I mean, I sat here and I'm choked up watching the film today. And I've seen it a thousand times and whatever. That being said, I haven't watched it in in like HD on a very large screen before. I'd always ever seen it on VHS or TV right, or whatever. Right, that's true
1: of me as well.
0: Yeah, and so so that's become a thing. Especially you know since I finally have taken that jump into an HDTV in the last year or whatever it's it's really interesting to watch a lot of films in high definition and i think that you know in terms so speaking of some of that stuff that i was just talking about the the scenes where Forrest is inserted you know when when nixon is talking or when john lennon is talking those look less real than they did long ago and they probably a little uncanny a little uncanny valley Yes, because it's very, you know, it, their mouths don't look right, don't move in the right ways. Yeah, and I think there's, I think Nixon or Johnson, one of them makes a face at one point that I'm like, oh, that looks like a computer. I think, it's, I think it's Johnson that does that. Yeah, he, yeah, he makes like he like raises his eyebrow or something. I don't know. It doesn't look quite right. But again, I think some of that has to do with the fact that you know I watched it on a on a big HD TV versus like on a cassette tape on like a I don't know a 25 inch tube TV. Right, and and that I think is one of the casualties, perhaps, of this push towards HD. Well, it's a casualty of of CGI in general, right? Because there's yeah. always the vanishing point of technological
1: advancement, and then going the other direction. There's going to be times where it looks herky-jerky and awkward, whereas practical effects are seem to always hold up better than original or early CGI.
0: Yeah, I think on this show, I, th- I think we probably lean towards that that bias for practical effects, because even when practical effects look wonky... Well, they look better in HD, right, because they are still
1: real. Yeah, As they're opposed real. To CGI, it's going to age and crack and splinter in ways on HD that it won't with practical
0: Yeah, and as someone who's studied quite a bit of acting, maybe not quite a bit, maybe that's, well, I mean, I have a degree, whatever. Someone who's acted and studied acting and thought a lot about performances, in terms of film, and as someone who's seen any of the Star Wars prequels, like, when you act with something that's not there, it's a considerably less convincing performance. Now, this film doesn't suffer from that in in the same way that that other films do Mm -hmm. but the cgi holds up less the story and the way all that is integrated holds up really well like i said before i think these the performances in this film are spot on i don't know that there's a bad performance in the entire film
1: so i think the way i want to answer this question is a little more social than technical in nature yeah so today in today's society does this film hold up will people get something out of it and I think the answer is yes, regardless mm-hmm. of us living in this really polarizing political time in American culture. yeah, I think if you're a conservative, you get a lot out of this, right? Because you can see valuation of God and country and sacrifice, all these things that are really important in different ways through things like the military, through mm-hmm. things like family values and family matters. Whereas if you're a liberal, you can get a lot of this as well because you have things like anti-war protests and Black Panther movement and civil rights and all of these things I think it just it's it's such a broad tapestry that regardless of your political or personal or social beliefs I think you can read into the film and say the film is saying this and it's reinforcing these values I have which I think wraps right up, right, right back around to the kind of overall thesis of this film in that it's accessible to all and everyone can say it is saying this it is allowing me a platform to reaffirm the mm-hmm. things I believe in right for good or for ill I think but I think that's one really enticing and powerful thing about this film
0: yeah I think the way this film treats history and pop culture and just narrative in general is sort of like pulp fiction but extra light no caffeine mm-hmm. like it's. I thought a lot about Pulp Fiction in terms of this film as I was watching it again for for our recording. Pulp Fiction has a, a much more critical view of the world, but also is really interwoven with pop culture and with historical moments. Not quite right. in the same way, but, but but Pulp Fiction is crass and and is hard for viewers, you know, in a way that this film is fairly linear, almost totally linear, and it's it's i wouldn't go so far as to say bland but it kind of right it's more palatable and in that way you're right you can ascribe regardless of your political beliefs or really the way you see the world there's something in this movie to take away from whereas pulp fiction is more antagonistic to the viewer this is a this is a feel-good movie i mean for what it's worth and it and it works i'm you know it fucking works as someone who doesn't really like feel-good movies you feel really good after you watch forrest gump
1: Feel Good Movie raves
0: Ethan Knight. (laughs) (laughs) That's about as glowing of of a review as I can give for a Feel Good movie. So
1: So I want to remind people that we are doing the super secret bonus content edition episodes over on Patreon. You might be listening to us here on Patreon, but it could be on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. But in any case, next week back on Patreon, we are selecting one of my more favorite films that I've seen. And we'll be watching Signs. (laughs)
0: Ha signs. Not my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie, but I I like it, and I'm excited to talk to you about.
1: Yeah, I don't think I like this film without reservations, but I do like this film for very particular reasons. And so if you want to hear what those reasons are and us kind of hash those things out, tune in next week. But if not, come back in two weeks. We'll watch number 75 on the list. But I guess also before that, we'll have part five of the rundown up. So you'll hear oh, yeah. a recap of the 25 films, one quarter of the entire Whew. AFI's top 100 canonical list. Huh. It's getting spicy out there. Whew. But huh. in, I guess we'll leave you with that and this spicy Mario over here. <laughs> and until next time, I'm Matt Bazell.
0: And I'm Ethan, Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Mama always said there will be spoilers. You never know which spoiler you're gonna get. <laughs> There Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bezell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bezell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at BeccaTheKnight. Our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can check him out all over the internet. You can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast and you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month. Also at Patreon.com slash spoilerscast our email continues to be spoilerscast at gmail.com so send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on itunes it really helps thank you so much i was visiting my mother i came in on the twelve thirty-five from Brownsville, I was waiting to go out on the 405. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, you just killed yourself a white man, just about the most important white man we got around here, and picked yourself
0: up a couple of hundred dollars. I earned that money ten hours a day, seven days a week. Colored can't earn that kind of money, boy. Hell, that's more than I make in a month. Now, where did you earn it? Philadelphia. Mississippi. Pennsylvania. Now, just what do you do up there, little old Pennsylvania, earn that kind of money? I'm a police officer. Virgil.
1: You take care. You hear?